Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen talking about the Jets free agents, players who have expiring contracts. Free agency doesn't start for another month, but it's never too early to talk about players that the Jets can re-sign and players that might hit the open market. And I think it's only fitting we start on the defensive side of the ball with Marcus May, the team MVP from last season, because Joe Douglas was specifically asked about him. Do you want Marcus May a part of your team in the future? And he said that is one of the off-season priorities for the Jets. Yeah, I think he's a fan favorite. I think he's a, a favorite of the guys in the locker room. He just brings a steady approach. Um, understated leader. Uh, not a guy who's jumping up and down all the time, but a professional work ethic. And he's asked to do so much on this team. If you think about where Marcus May has come from after being drafted at Florida, obviously those first couple seasons, he's paired up with Jamal Adams. So he's the free safety. Remember at the start of this season, he was the strong safety, but ultimately he had to switch back to free safety as well. And he's always been the guy who's been relied upon being the quarterback of the secondary. But more than that, we've thought in terms of him being the quarterback of the secondary, he's one of the central figures in the command of this entire team. So the Jets not only want him back because what he does on the field, but also the intangibles he brings. And Marcus May, I think you really hit the nail on the head. He's a very versatile piece last season for the Jets, playing both a little more in the box than we've seen in the past. And then, of course, going back to be the quarterback or the center fielder more so of the secondary. And I don't think that there's a system that Marcus wouldn't fit. I know that there's a new system that Coach Sala and Jeff Ulbrich are employing here in Florham Park. But I think Marcus May fits any system. And I think it is also important to note that the Jets also can franchise tag Marcus May if they choose. And that the money on the reported money, about $10 million. And, you know, uh, we'll see what happens because I do think that both sides are interested in a long-term deal. You spoke to Marcus May after he won the MVP award for the Jets. And didn't you get the sense that he really likes being a New York Jet? I think he considers this place home. Yeah, he grew up in Florida. He went to the University of Florida, but this was the team that drafted him. And I, I don't know, Ethan, would you say that you sensed the change in him after Jamal Adams was traded? I think uh, a lot of the times throughout his early career, and it never bothered him because he's an eagle-less player. He really is. And when Joe Douglas says he wants to build an eagle-less structure at the Jets, Here's a guy who comes out who's confident in his abilities, but I think he was kind of kept in the shadows when Jamal Adams, who's a fantastic player, um, grabbed a lot of the headlines for a lot of the things that he did on the field and maybe sometimes what he did off of the field. But without Jamal Adams in there, uh, what happened in week one? Jets are playing Buffalo. Marcus May is playing strong safety for the first time in his NFL career. Two sacks. Two sacks in his first time playing down in the box. But I, I think that people took note of the way other guys talked about him. I think in years past, Ethan, um, myself and you would talk to guys and they'd always say, yeah, he's the guy in the secondary. But like I mentioned before, I think he's really become one of the guys on this entire team that people look up to. Yeah, I think 
I agree with you. And did I sense a change? I, I got the sense maybe that Marcus knew that more was going to be put on his shoulders, especially with a young secondary, a lot of new faces joining the Jets in the offseason, last offseason. So I got the sense that he put a little more on his plate and he was clearly rewarded with the team MVP. And Marcus May, the decision there is going to be one that I think a lot of Jets fans will have their eyes on. It is an important decision for the Jets. And I, we know just hearing Joe Douglas talk about Marcus May, how much Marcus means to the team, to the locker room, on and off the field. I mean, you talk about culture. Marcus May has been a great culture guy for this Jets team since he was drafted in the second round in 2017. And then you think about other free agents, unrestricted free agents for the Jets. There's a lot of starters on defense. You think about guys like Neville Hewitt. You think about guys like Brian Poole, Jordan Jenkins. There's a pretty, there's 19 total unrestricted free agents. And on the defensive side of the ball, it feels like there's a little more, a little more of a pool there that started and, and or played meaningful snaps for the Jets this past season. Pun intended or no? Unintended, but as I said it, I thought, you know, that could be an intention, but no, unintended. So Marcus May last year finished second on the defense with 88 tackles. He also had 11 PDs. And then how about those two interceptions? Unbelievable plays, if you think about both of them, against the Buffalo Bill, uh, against the Miami Dolphins, excuse me, down there in South Florida. That was one of the plays of the year in the National Football League. Then he came back against the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. <laughs> he made an, another outstanding play. And then I think about the Jets' first win, that PD against the LA Rams. I thought it was fitting mm-hmm. that Marcus May comes up with the critical uh, game saver late in the fourth quarter. But to your point, 19 unrestricted free agents – the Jets do have the financial flexibility. We're going to see a lot of roster change, bottom line. Um, but the players that you mentioned, let's just start, I guess, with Neville Hewitt. We talked all offseason about how deep the inside linebacker position was <laughs> going to be for the Jets. Well, it didn't turn out that way, but the one consistent force at the inside linebacker position was Neville Hewitt. He had a career year, 131 tackles, two sacks, four quarterback curries, four PDs, one forced fumble one fumble recovery. He was a guy who was going all the time for this team. But again, system change now. The Jets going from a 3-4 front to a 4-3 front. And I think the other part of the linebacker story that we have to monitor, and there's really been no word on this yet, is C.J. Mosley's status. He was someone that opted out before the season. Is he going to be a part of the Jets? Is he basically going to opt in? I don't know how that works now. Like if players are going to have another opt-out decision, depending on what the world looks like. But at the time that we heard Joe Douglas talk, he had not discussed or he had not spoken to CJ Mosley yet. But, you know, for sake of this argument, let's assume CJ Mosley is a part of this team in 2021. And he wants to play for the Jets. I would assume he is the middle of that 4-3 front. So what does that mean for someone like Neville Hewitt moving forward if the Jets want to retain him? I think that's going to be something that the personnel staff is probably having those meetings right now, right? In mid-February about potential free agents and so on and so forth. And yeah, I think that there are two other players that come to mind when I think of the system change in Jordan Jenkins and Terrell Basham, who played that outside linebacker role in the 3-4 what does their 4-3 projection look like? And Jordan Jenkins is an unrestricted free agent. 
He was an unrestricted free agent last year. The Jets brought him back for one year. He's the longest tenured Jet, or I don't know at this point, would you say was the longest tenured Jet? Because his uh, he's still expiring? on the roster. I mean, all these guys are still on the roster until March 17th. So I'd say he, he is the longest tenured Jet, which is amazing. That just gives you a glimpse as far as how quickly things changed in the National Football League. Uh, he talked about it a little bit at the end of the year, but I think uh, Jordan was banged up most of the season and, and he tried to play the best he could under the circumstances. He was always a tough guy and a team player, uh, you know, and, and I'm not talking about him in past tense, but like you just said, it's it's fascinating when you look at this, okay, 4-3, what's the prototypical 4-3-N in the Salah Albrecht system? compared to what uh, Jordan Jenkins and Terrell Basham had been playing in the past few years here with the Jets. I think it's going to be another one of those conversations that are probably happening right now at one Jets drive, or maybe through Microsoft teams, however they're communicating. There's also, when you look at the list of unrestricted free agents, I mean, Arthur Millette ended up playing meaningful snaps down the stretch, but there's two players that, were both in their first years with the Jets last year, and they both really didn't see the field a whole lot because of injury. The first one is Bradley McDougald, mm. who was the safety that got traded in the Jamal Adams trade to the Seahawks. The Jets get McDougald. It's originally May and McDougal in the back of the secondary, but McDougal ends up getting hurt. And then the other guy who we really didn't see take any snaps on defense, I don't think he took a single snap on defense because of injury, was Patrick Owasso, Peanut, the linebacker. He was active for one game, then he got hurt in that game, and I believe it was on a special team snap. So those are two players where you don't really know much about them, and you have to rely on 2019 or 18 tape, whatever you want to evaluate. But it's a, I feel like that's a more challenging evaluation because you didn't see him play a whole lot. I know, but like you said, this is what is taking place right now. This is what's transpiring right now. You got that new coaching staff, and I'm sure they're sitting with the personnel department, and they're discussing each and every player on the Jets roster and focusing on guys who have expiring contracts. Then they have to look elsewhere because you got to come up with a plan. Joe Douglas and company are going to come up with a plan as far as targets in free agency, those guys on teams with expiring contracts elsewhere who are all going to hit the market here on St. Patrick's Day. And then you got to juggle the draft and all this. What I would say, you just brought up two names in particular, so I'm not going to go off topic too much here, Greens. Ashton Davis, after that, you would figure that he – uh, is a big talking point there because he was part of Joe Douglas's first draft class. He did some good things. He was paired up with Marcus May late before he went to injured reserve. Uh, the Jets like his athleticism. Um, so it is, does that impact the way you view the safety position? Because if you get a Marcus May back, do you like that pairing at safety with the Marcus May and Ashton Davis? McDougald, uh, unfortunately, uh, banged up a little bit last year. But again, you got to go back to that trade. Joe Douglas made a, a fantastic trade, and I think that's going to pay off in the years to come. Getting McDougal back from the Seahawks, a third-round pick, a pair of first-round mm -hmm. uh, picks 
one in 2021, one in 2022 for Jamal Adams, of course, and sending some late draft change back to Seattle. And then Owasso, to me, when he was signed, the initial thought all along was a reserve and who can possibly help you on special teams. Brant Boyer back as Jets special teams coordinator this year. But there's different layers of free agency when you look at guys like Owasso. Right. There's the first tier the second tier and then, you know, third tier and the third tier basically extends until whenever, but you mentioned special teams to restricted free agents who uh, we're not really going to discuss it a whole lot is Harvey Long and Frankie Lubu both ended up playing Long. He played meaningful snaps for the Jets defense last year. Lubu played a couple games down the stretch, but those two guys are special team stalwarts for the Jets. And before we talk about the offense, let's actually hear from, some NFL analysts on what they think about this Jets upcoming free agency and the money that they have to spend. You got flexibility. Um, that's what's huge is that you can, um, you know, with free agency, you can probably go get, you know, the guy who is number one or number two at your, on your list at a couple positions because they have that much space. Uh, so you can target kind of those, those blue chip top tier players. And what that does is then frees you up in the draft um, where if you do want to go in another direction, you've, 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 filled some other spots. You also have the ability to be able to trade down um, if you can fill some of those needs in free agency. So it, again, it gives you just tremendous uh, flexibility here as they go into the off season. You look at the free agency last year, I thought it really tried to spread their money out around uh, to a bunch of guys and tried to fill a bunch of roster holes. I don't know they necessarily got the impact players you would hope for, um, but I think a lot of that was done with the with salary cap in mind for this off season being maybe a little more aggressive uh, when it comes to free agency, trying to get some blue players, some blue chip talent, some premier guys um, to add to that mix. So, you know, I think if you were just kind of grading it on the past, you'd say, man, the draft was an A. Um, the free agency was probably an incomplete. But the hope is going forward now, I think they'll be able to uh, shop on a different price range here when it comes to free agency. Well, I mean, this is where it's going to take collaboration with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. What does Robert Sala want? What does Joe Douglas want? And then they have to work together. Before Joe Douglas came in where there was already an established head coach, now he is the established figure in all of this. And then with all the draft picks, the free agency money, the, the, the money they have to spend in free agency, they can build a roster a certain way. I am thinking they're going to continue to build along the offensive and defensive lines. You see how Joe Douglas knocked it out of the park with Mekhi Becton to tackle. I think they're going to continue that way. I think they're going to absolutely add – a running back, uh, probably through the draft, they've got to get explosive players. I mean, if Sam Darnold or whoever's good the quarterback is going to be, they've got to get some explosive playmakers. They've got to continue to build there. But I think the main priority in establishing an identity, knowing Robert Sala, that is a very tough identity, uh, but knowing Joe Douglas, a tough identity, the offensive and defensive lines is where everything is going to start. There's a lot of flexibility salary cap wise. And I think you sacrificed the 2020 off season and free agency for the 2021 one. I mean, a lot of things open up now and the jets are going to have money to spend. And I think with Sala, you have, have a very attractive place as far as a coach goes that players want to play for. And that might be defensive players, but also might be offensive players. You think of some of the former players that he's played with that he's coached with in a bunch. And I, I look at like Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco he's a free agent. Love Salah. That would be a great fit for the Jets. That could be another offensive weapon that they have. Um, I would also say that because they didn't spend crazy money on any free agents last year and didn't break the bank, 
they set themselves up for this year. You got the draft capital, you've got the free agent spending now. And I think Joe Douglas, although I don't think this was a home run offseason last year, the preparation and the resistance and the planning and the patience will lead to a home run offseason in 2021. Well, it's beneficial any year. It's especially beneficial this year because the expectation is the salary cap is going to come down um, because of the pandemic and the drop in revenue. Um, so uh, that puts many teams um, tight against the salary cap. And so uh, to have salary cap space this year is going to be um, a, an especial, a special bonus because so many other teams are, are going to be scrambling. Um, again, I, I, again, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, to have lots of salary cap space and all those draft picks at the same time, again, gives them the chance to really reshape the roster if that's what they choose to do. Um, and, uh, you know, Joe Douglas showed, I think, some draft acumen in, in the first go around, right? He he hit on some some picks. And so that gives you, you know, quite a bit of excitement as you go into another offseason where he's picking players. Um, and, and to have all of this just gives you so, there's so many avenues that the Jets have available to them to to change their roster if if that's the direction they go in. And again, with a new head coach, you know, he's uh, uh, presumably going to want to chart a, a path with the roster that he likes. And so, so much of this is going to depend on what Robert Sala thinks of the players who are on the roster now. And that will certainly be important as they decide how much roster turnover there's going to be. Great stuff as always. As we know, the Jets have a lot of money to spend and We'll see what they do come March and about a month from now. I believe March 17th is when it officially opens, but you can negotiate two days prior to that. So there's going to be a lot of moves in the NFL and a lot of moves for the Jets, not only in the first wave and the second wave, but there's going to be a ton of moves throughout. And now I think it's, we should talk about the offensive side of the ball. And one player that stands out is Brashad Perriman because yeah. he was a starting receiver, also battled injury. And he was on a one-year deal, someone that the Jets signed last offseason, and the Jets, of course, undergoing a change in terms of scheme. So that's another talking point behind closed doors. Does somebody like Brashad Perriman, who has speed, which I would assume the Jets would be in the market for, but does he fit the system? And would he be willing to come back, and for what price? Uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision because uh, Perryman last year, what he finished up with 30 catches, but for 505 yards receiving, averaged 16.8 yards a pop, had the three touchdowns. Most notably, I think, was the Monday night game against the New England Patriots when he was just flying by dudes left and right. Um, Randy Lang wrote about this in NewYorkJets.com. And, and again, a plug for a guy, Langer. When the Jets had their three top receivers on the field, they averaged like 20 points a game. Now, that wasn't the greatest show on turf, but compare that to when they weren't on the field together. Ethan, they were averaging like 10 points a game. So it, it, it what really was disappointing for Jets fans, and I think people inside the organization, of course, was these guys didn't see the field together until like week nine. So it was hard to really get a good gauge uh, as far as what they could have been. Denzel Mims, of course, missed an entire training camp and then uh, basically missing his entire uh, first half of his rookie season. But Perryman is a guy who can take the top off the defense. And, he, and bottom line, so 
that's going to be a fit in most systems. But what the Jets have to determine is who are going to be our outside guys if, in fact, Jameson Crowder is under contract and still remains one of the top slot receivers in the NFL. If he's back, you got Mims. You loved his production. I think it is a big question for the Jets. What are you going to do opposite of Mims? And, of course, not only do the Jets have a lot of money to spend in free agency, they also have, to your point, which you alluded to earlier, a lot of draft capital, five picks in the first three rounds. So there's definitely opportunities not only to add wide receivers like we're talking about, but you want to add any position. It's going to be an interesting balance to see what the plan of attack is between free agency and the draft. And someone Ethan, that, yeah. Ethan, a little, little segue here because you're all in the draft up to your neck right now. <laughs> Denzel Mims was the 13th receiver, I believe, taken in the draft in 2020 now here we are 2021 what are the early feels you're getting from guys like Dane Brugler right now as far as the depth of the wide receiver class because I know fans are excited about Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase and Worley and company but what about the depth here in the first couple rounds from my understanding speaking to guys like Dane is that the depth is right up there with the depth of the 2020 class yeah. So I, I think that there will be opportunities and maybe if they don't pre present themselves in the first round, rounds two through four to add a quality receiver in the draft. I mean, that you made a great point with Denzel Mims, the 13th receiver drafted. Last year was considered one of the best in recent memories in terms of the depth of receiver. And I think this class is right up there with that class. Maybe yeah. not the same, but definitely in the same ballpark. So We'll see what happens in April. But another player that I'm interested in is Pat Elfline. And Joe Douglas took a flyer on him, claimed him in the middle of the season, comes in, immediately starts at left guard, and just stays there the rest of the season. And I thought that he played pretty well. So what does his future hold with the Jets as an unrestricted free agent? I think that's going to be very interesting to see because by all accounts, it seems like Pat Elfline is a versatile player that would definitely fit what the Jets are doing. He did some nice things. Uh, you know, when the Jets first brought him on board, you remember the coaching staff talking about he's a center who can play guard while ultimately lined up next to Makai Becton. And Makai Becton, I thought Elfline was solid. There's no doubt about that. I think it also helps in the run game when you do have a guy like Becton next to you, right? I, I think – uh, you probably, Ethan, at times could uh, help out in the run game <laughs> if you had Becton next to you. And, and that's that it really, that's no shot at Elfline because I think the guys liked the, his approach. Uh, he was a mauler. He got after it. Good work ethic. But again, what's going to happen on the interior for the Jets moving forward at, at, at the guard position? Because, you know, Connor McGovern, you got your center. You know who your left tackle is. George Fant did a lot of good things for the Jets at tackle last year. So uh, I think the question now for the Jets becomes more on the interior, right, as we move forward. I definitely think so. And to your point, I think Pat Uffline was brought in to be a reserve piece that could play center or either guard if needed. Yeah. And from day one, he just start, He just played at guard and just stuck there next to Mekhi Becton. So it was very definitely, it was definitely a whirlwind for Elfline, but that's just one player that I have my eye on. And then when you think about the other guys on offense, there's really not a ton of 
players who took meaningful snaps last season for the Jets, except for a pair of grizzly vets, we'll put it that way, with Frank Gore and Joe Flacco. Yeah, Frank Gore, amazingly, at 37 years old, he led the Jets in rushing 3.5 yards a pop, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, uh, for me, I'll never forget that first Jets win because I know Jets Nation wanted the number one overall pick, a lot of people. But, you know, for the guys inside the locker room and inside the organization who are putting on the line each and every week, they just wanted to taste victory. That's why you play the game, as Herm Edwards say. You play to win the game. Third and five, Darnold looking, can't find anything. There's Gore yelling, <laughs> and he checks down. He gets the five yards. So uh, Frank Gore, 16,000 rush yards, third all-time. I, I think you said it. You've said it in the past that if you watch Gore at training camp, he acts like he's 25 because he's doing gassers <laughs> while everybody else is uh, watching other guys take reps. I think the fire still burns for Frank Gore, but if this is it, uh, unbelievable career, Hall of Fame career, bottom line. No doubt. And then you think about other free agents that are on the Jets. Daniel Brown, special team stalwart, really, yeah. for the Jets last season. You think about guys like who else is there? Ross Travis, uh, depth at the tight end room. And then two receivers who are not unrestricted free agents, but Vincent Smith is a restricted free agent. And then Jeff Smith is an exclusive rights free agent. So just some decisions there and we'll see what happens. But is there anyone else before we wrap up that catches your eye in terms of who's a free agent on the Jets roster right now? Well, you mentioned before and I just didn't get to it, you know, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this too, just from uh, personally and also, um, watching him go through this because we visited with Joe Flacco on the podcast last year. I, I felt awfully good for the dude after having neck surgery, wondering if he's ever going to play again. He comes in and starts for the Jets four games last year as Sam Darnold's backup. So I, I, the Jets have been on the record. They've said it multiple times. They're excited about Sam Darnold. So we know that. And we also know the Jets do have options at the quarterback position but that also extends to the backup position because Flacco last year came in. Uh, I thought his best game was against the Patriots. He was he was outstanding against the Patriots. That was one of the uh, better performances by a Jet in 2020. So I, I feel um, I, I feel good for a guy like that who it was well liked in the locker room. He came in, it gave it his all, and we'll have to see what lies ahead for him. But just get your thoughts on Flacco. I thought Joe Flacco listening to his media availabilities when he was starting that week and coming on the podcast, I just thought he was a genuine dude. And he gave you a little peek behind the curtain as to what goes between his ears as a quarterback when either breaking down defense, talking about his own team in terms of which receivers may or may not be playing. I mean, there was a lot of, it was a juggling act for all the quarterbacks that played this season. And Joe Flacco kind of gave a peek behind the curtain there. And I think he has a cool perspective because he's, been a Super Bowl MVP. He's had success in the league and he's he's taken a back seat last year, but I thought that his perspective was refreshing. And I, the Jets we know have a laundry list of moves that they're going to execute between free agency, the draft, maybe trades, you know. We'll see what happens, but there's a lot of moves to be made. The Jets, this is what we know. They have a lot of money. 
They have a lot of draft capital. This is going to be an overhaul. So we would assume because there are a lot of unrestricted and restricted free agents. But that was this edition of the Official Jets Podcast powered by AWS. Stay safe and we'll see you next week.